An Eatonville Saga, Season 3, A Year of High Anxiety, Episode 2, What Eatonville Was Actually Facing. Here's our storyteller, N.Y. Nathiri. Now, dear listener, I readily admit to a bias when the discussion turns to Eatonville, my hometown. I enjoyed an almost idyllic childhood, surrounded by family and neighbors. Fond memories do I have of buying two-for-a-penny cookies and knee-high sodas and jawbreakers from Miss Maddie Robinson, who with her husband owned Max Garage. Mr. Charlie Reed and his wife, Miss Mary, owned Reed's Grocery Store, where you could buy cold cuts and other foodstuffs. My brother got his hair cut from Mr. Hezekiah. And as I grew older, Mr. George Townsell, a builder and a friend to my mother's father, who was also a builder, would talk to me about the wonders of the U.S. Constitution and how Eatonville could be a very fine community if the young people would go off to college and come back to improve the town. Yes, I declare my love for Eatonville. Yet, as I tell you this story, I want you to be assured that the tale I am telling is grounded in fact, undisputed fact, based on official public records, conversations I've had with persons I identify, and third-party research. And here I pause to acknowledge with gratitude the research of Mr. Gramon McPherson, a master's level graduate student in the Department of History at the University of Central Florida. Because, candidly, dear listener, Those of us who were engaged in this struggle to oppose the Orange County Resolution to 5-Lane Kennedy Boulevard, Lake Avenue, really had no way of understanding truly, while we were in the heat of the battle, what we were facing. We were so caught up in all the activity, all of the emotion, that we had little time to reflect. Yet, careful third-party research has the ability to provide a lens through which a clearer understanding of events can be presented and understood. So for this episode, I want to refer to Grimaud McPherson's article, Why Not Us? Infrastructural Citizenship in Eatonville, Florida, which appeared in the January 2018 edition of the Zora Magazine the annual publication of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc. Kyle Shelton, in his Journal of Urban History, Volume 43, Number 4, October 2015, defines the phrase infrastructural citizenship in this way. Quote, With proposed changes such as new or expanded roads, commercial development and housing, Infrastructural citizenship allows residents to contribute and have an impact on what occurs in their community. In taking ownership of their property, streets, and land, ordinary residents demonstrate their political power through protesting, lobbying, attending public meetings, and pursuing legal action and historic preservation against threats they perceive will negatively impact their community. Thus, government officials or private investors must consider the public opinions of residents regarding proposed infrastructural changes. And now, the excerpt 
from Mr. McPherson's article. Race in the United States helped shape the geography of highway and road construction in the post-World War II era as federal, state, and local governments, along with private investors, often targeted black communities to deliberately clear, quote-unquote, a blighted area, or because these communities seemed to offer the path of least resistance. However, black communities did not act passively in resisting these changes. Residents employed various methods of infrastructural citizenship, including lobbying, court litigation, and historic preservation, and exercising their rights to divine their own spaces. Yet these methods often produced uneven results for black communities compared to white communities in achieving their goals. During the 1980s, the predominantly black town of Eatonville, Florida, faced this dilemma as Orange County sought to widen the main thoroughfare to their community, which some residents feared would effectively destroy their town. A unanimous decision by county commissioners to widen the congruent roadway of Kennedy Boulevard through Eatonville and Lake Avenue through neighboring Maitland from two to five lanes in 1987 seemed destined to follow this narrative. As county governments develop their county plans, tensions often occur between county and city governments regarding the planning and zoning of land. During the 1980s, Orange County's vision of alleviating suburban traffic through the widening of Kennedy Lake countered Eatonville's and Maitland's visions for their municipalities. Eatonville's officials and residents voiced their opposition to the widening of Kennedy east of Wymore Road near Interstate 4 in seeking to spare the impact on the historic homes and businesses in the heart of the town while Maitland residents also feared the effects on their homes. Yet in narratives of metropolitan politics, officials bluntly state how some communities may have to suffer or experience inconvenience for the overall benefit of the growing majority. For example, in talking with Eatonville officials, Chairman Dorman stated, quote, Sometime government has to do things that are not in the best interest of individuals they think at the time, but they have to move forward. In a few years, you in Eatonville will look back and say it's a good thing, unquote. Thus, on November 23, 1987, the five county commissioners unanimously voted to widen Kennedy Lake, seeming to bring closure to the issue, with construction set to begin the following year. Ironically, as Eatonville celebrated its centennial anniversary, the future survival of the town now lay at stake. Successful resistance requires immediate, consistent, and persistent involvement towards a cause. In Memphis, Tennessee, for example, for two decades beginning in the 1960s, the Citizens to Preserve Overton Park resisted plans to build Interstate 40 through Overton Park. By building a network of outside supporters, lobbying and pursuing court litigation helped delay the project until its eventual cancellation in 1981. The PEC, the grassroots organization which had been formed by Eatonville, Maitland, and citizens of Orange County, years later followed a similar model. 
The organization built on a tradition of Edenville residents fighting to protect their town from outside interest. During the 1960s, in compliance with the U.S. Supreme Court's Brown v. Board of Education desegregation order, Orange County Public Schools integrated the school system in 1967 and turned Eatonville's historic Hungerford High School into an alternative school to provide vocational training and career education for non-college-bound students. Additionally, the county school board called for the closure of Hungerford Elementary. However, the Edenville community rallied to save the school, and through the efforts of residents, attorney Paul Perkins, and Mayor Nathaniel Vereen, the town ultimately achieved success. In fighting to stop the widening of Kennedy Lake, Edenville and the PEC hoped to have similar success. The controversy of Kennedy's widenings, as well as the formation of PEC, requires understanding two pivotal periods in Eatonville's history. The first period relates to Eatonville's founding amid the tense racial climate of Jim Crow, Florida in the late 19th century, as recounted in several town histories and biographies. In the aftermath of the Civil War, Freed slaves looking for employment opportunities settled along with white northern southerners in central Florida. In 1885, Union veterans incorporated the town of Maitland, largely through recruiting black citrus grove workers as residents to meet the minimum quota of 30 registered voters. However, as black residents soon outnumbered whites in the town, Whites sought to address their diluted power by placing a legal notice in the Maitland Courier, which proposed allowing blacks to incorporate their own town on donated land west of Maitland. On August 15, 1887, 27 black men voted unanimously to incorporate the town of Eatonville on approximately 112 acres of land secured by Lewis Lawrence, a northern philanthropist, and Josiah C. Eaton the namesake of the future town. Eatonville, located one mile west of Maitland and six miles north of Orlando, developed into a self-sufficient black town centered around the three institutions of family, church, and school. This history formed the town's identity, a heritage the PEC fought to preserve and protect exactly a century later in 1987. The second pivotal period came amid Orange County's growth and transformation after World War II as the county's population nearly increased tenfold from 70,000 in 1940 to nearly 700,000 in 1990. Interstate 4 helped connect Orange County to other metropolitan areas in the state, but split Eatonville in half while denying the town a direct entry or exit ramp to the highway. The western end of Eatonville experienced more development as the influx of new residents during the 1960s saw the addition of new homes and businesses to the town. Eatonville's population, which historically averaged a few hundred people, grew from 857 in 1960 to 2024 by 1970, yet remained stagnant during the 1970s, the 1980s, and the 1990s in comparison to the rapid growth of neighboring cities, towns, and census-designated areas. 
Politically, these changes became associated with the Sun Belt, a term that envisioned a new conservative coalition of white suburban voters for the Republican Party from the South and West. This trend is evidenced by Orange County supporting Republican presidential candidates from 1948 through the 1996 elections. Additionally, until the creation of a minority-majority House district serving the black populace between Jacksonville and Orlando in 1993, conservative Republican congressmen represented Eatonville in Congress between 1963 to 1993, with the lone exception of centrist Democratic U.S. Congressman Bill Nelson between 1979 to 1983. Even before its formation, the PEC faced challenges due to metropolitan politics. Nationally, the decline of central cities coincided with the rise of suburbanization, with increased automobile use, interstate highways, and white flight from urban cities. While Orlando in 1940 represented just over half of Orange County's population, by 1990, that ratio reduced to just under a quarter of the overall county population. Until the influx of Hispanic residents beginning the 1990s, white residents maintained a supermajority in Orange County, with black residents, including Eatonville, representing only about 15% of the county's population between 1970 and 1990, limiting their influence and political power. During the 1980s, Orange County residents voted at large for county commissioners as opposed to voting in single-member districts. The county commission consisted of five districts with one commissioner chosen to serve as a chairman, usually from the majority party, which favored Republicans. Tom Dorman, the commissioner of District 2, a largely white voting populace, which also included Eatonville, served as a chairman at the time of the vote in 1987. So as you can see, dear listener, Eatonville's road to success would be filled with twists and turns, unanticipated detours, and near-miss accidents. Buckle up! You've been listening to An Eatonville Saga. Executive producer, the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., Podcast, concept, and storyteller, NY Theory, Eatonville native, and the executive director of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., PEC. Produced and directed by Ken Moore. 2021 copyright by the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. If you would like to support our podcast by giving, you can give to PEC at www.give2pec.org. That's www.give2pec.org.